So just a quick review, it was actually quite a bit to go through today. And I want to deal with all seven of these woes that Jesus is, is going to be um, <laughs> delivering to these Pharisees. Um, they love for the Pharisees. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted, I wanted to look at all seven in one go if we could. So I'm going to try to move a little bit quicker than usual. Uh, but the texts, the verses we're going to look at, they kind of speak for themselves, which I'm really glad about. <laughs> so we could just look, compare, and keep moving on. So quick review, okay? Um, and, and, and I kind of titled this review, Leaders Who Lead for Selfish Vanity versus Leaders Who Lead People to Christ. And really, I use the word leaders because in my mind, um, it, it's, it's, it's bringing someone somewhere. Yeah, that, that's not really what it means, it's to bring someone somewhere. And I think we all have opportunities in our lives to bring someone somewhere, yeah? Right? So in a sense, we do have maybe a participatory role in leadership. Because we all affect other people. We can't help it. We affect other people. Our lives, our lifestyles, the way we do things. And so with that, we need to think, no matter what, how full your capacity of leadership is, we need to think, how do I bring people to Christ? Or do I kind of just get in the way? Like a big, stupid clown. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure he's a lovely clown. I shouldn't have said he was stupid. I'm sure he's lovely. It makes children laugh. But the reality is, we don't want to get in the way. Because that is foolishness. Um, and a couple of verses we did look at, and, and there's a kind of, the, I think, the key verses from last time we met. Matthew 23, 5 says, everything they do is done for people to see. Okay, that's like the key problem with the Pharisees, yeah? Everything they do, they do for attention, yeah? They, they kind of get in the way. They want to be seen and acknowledged, have their bats packed. Good on you, brother. You know, that kind of mentality. That's their goal. That's what they're trying to achieve. Attention, affection, popularity, as opposed to serving God. For the simplicity, the integrity, the fact that God's called them to serve. Um, and the reality is, again, another key text is Matthew 23, 8, where it says, For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Uh, now, he did say a very, more than that. We know he says a lot, much, much more than that. We did spend a lot of time studying that last time we were in Matthew 23. And I don't want to get into that again, because that was for another sermon. However, this is a key. One teacher, for we are all brothers. And, and this is where I kind of um, repeated that kind of um, that, that common slogan in the, in the church I come from, where they, they say that the foot of the cross is level ground. And I, and I remembered a story from a long time ago when there was a lady who married a pastor from, our, from the church association, and she comes from a deep southern background, and she was kind of amazed that people were actually hanging out with each other. Because in her mind, there's like the, 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 the really righteous people go to their towers and then the less righteous people hang out in the common rooms. But that's not Christianity. And so the fact that we're all talking and intermingling and, and we don't really see each other really as, oh, he's the, the chief and, and that person's just a helper. We don't, we don't, we, that's not Christianity. It isn't. It's not Christianity. We are 
We all have one real teacher, one real boss leader. And the teacher in the, in the, in the world, we, we, again, we have packed to this. I'm, I'm kind of holding back a little bit because it's a sensitive material. And I apologize for that. The idea of a teacher isn't a teaching per se. It's a guru. It's a spiritual person who's, who's in the, your life to actually direct you and lead you. in a source for your knowledge, a source of your wisdom, a source of your understanding. And the reality is not know any one person should be that single source. It's God himself. And that's, that's what we looked at already. In reality, we're all brothers and we're all sitting quietly before the throne of God. Say, okay, teach us, God. And, that, and we, that's why we keep a Bible. If the Bibles go away, then that's a problem, okay? Because the Bibles, that's, that's what we're consulting here. That's what we're looking. I happen to be a, a big mouth at this moment. And I'm talking about things. But the reality is we're, you're not learning from me. You're, we're all learning from the Bible. And the Bible's a teacher. And so a good teacher, in the sense of the kind of world that I'm happy to be doing right now, okay, is... Hopefully this, that I'm a part of the group. Yeah, not above, but a part of the group. And, we, and that's why we mix it up. Sometimes Stuart will teach, and sometimes Robert will teach. And we have different, you know, people who have different skills of teaching will want to come up and share. And that's, that's and, and, because the reality is we're all kind of together on this journey. We're all together. And, and, the, and a good teacher, the person who happens to be here right now, their responsibility is to point people to the cross. And look, there's Jesus. And, 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 and my philosophy mentality is, you know that, that Chinese philosopher? You know, uh, philosophy rather, who says, this says, if you give a man a fish, you give him death. But if you teach him how to fish, you give him life. That's kind of my history model as well, is that I don't want to spoon feed people because that just breeds mediocrity and just apathy. And and be honest with you, I'm not bothered with that. You know, I can't be bothered. That's just too much work for me. (laughs) I would rather teach. And by fishing, I'm talking about getting into God's word, learning to hear from God yourself, learning to go to the one teacher yourself so you don't have to rely on, oh, getting a, um, uh, should I do this? Should I do that? I'll call Scott and see what he says. If you call me and ask me what, what, what I think you should do, I mean, ask Caleb. He, he'll tell you. I, I guess I'll always usually say the same thing. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm not. I mean, I might give you my advice. I might even say, well, here's my opinion, but you need to go to God. I can't give you direction. That's what God's job is. Yeah? Okay. Let's put this slide away because I spent too much time on it. So good teachers serve the church with real humility. Matthew 23, 11, 12, which is where we're in this morning, says the greatest then among you will be your servant. Want to be great? You've got to be a really good servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Kind of a, it's definitely teeter-totters, I think, the natural way of looking at things. You know, the kind of, you might say the normal, the worldly way of looking at things. It seems opposite, because in our society, we achieve to be exalted. You know what I'm saying? We go out and we have great confidence to achieve, exalted, you know, lifted up, awards, you know, pats on the back. But the reality is, according to God's economy, according to God's way, it's the servants, ironically enough, or funny enough, that are the ones who are exalted. So it's a different, and the key really is humility. And it's not false humility, by the way, because we do know, recognize that there is fakers out there. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so humble. You know? And we're not talking about the fact, Paul warned us about that kind of thing in Colossians 2.18, where he says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility... And the worship of angels disqualify you. I like how he tags on not just false humility, but this heretic, you know, this heresy of worshiping of, of angels, you know, which was a, a problem in Paul's time. In the Colossians, of course, this is a reference to the Gnostic heresy of the first century. 
So again, we need to be careful, be mindful that, our, that, that, the, that, that there's a genuineness to humility. There's a genuineness to the service, okay? And not a, you know, like, like, like the problem we have with the Pharisees. And we'll see this through the woes, this two-faced hypocrisy. Matthew 7 15 says, you know, and this reminds that there are going to, there's very likely there's wolves among us. It's, it's likely, it's, it's possible. I hope not. I hope there's no wolves here. But it's possible. So we need to be mindful, okay? We need to be wise. Watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing. So they look just like us. They seem to have this, again, false humility. Oh, I'm here for you, brother. I'm here for you, sister. You know, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. But the good news is this, guys. We don't need to be scared because by their fruit, we can recognize them. Okay, let's move on. So bad teachers and also seven woes. The bad teachers, as we will see here quickly and roll in the next verse, they shut the door. They shut the door of the kingdom of heaven. Christ, okay, I wanted to, to parallel these verses with the the the. the the blessings, you know, the beatitudes, because I think there is a stark contrast between these woes, the woes of the Pharisees, the religious leaders at that time, and what they were actually doing compared to reality, the blessings of God's kingdom that's upon us. There's a stark contrast. So maybe as for a homework assignment, devotionally, this week, go and back and, and read Matthew 23 and look at the woes. And then go to Matthew 5 and look at the, the Beatitudes and compare them in your mind. The spirit, the attitude behind them, the differences in how, what, what, what group is trying to achieve versus the other group. But here's the first woe. And the first woe says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So there's a description, and he's going to repeat this description time and time again. They are the Pharisees, the, you know, the teachers of the law, or the supposed teachers of the law, and the hypocrites. They're two-faced, like this wolf with this, you know, sheep's clothing. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. We talked about the burden already. We talked about how they put so much burden on the people, but they're of no help to them. What they're doing is they're shutting the door of the kingdom on the people's faces. Really, the kingdom of God isn't for you because you're a horrible, awful person. That's kind of the, the, the mentality. There are no help to people. There's no deliverance. There's no salvation. There's no rescue. You yourselves do not enter. They themselves don't even know how to get there. Nor will you let your, those who are trying to enter. They literally stop people at the door. So someone who's trying, I want to see God. I want to know God. That's the, why the beautiful of the king of the Beatitudes is so wonderful is that here they are. People want, they're, they're so broken. They want to see God. They want to be God's people. They want, they want to be restored back to the days when God walked with them and they walked. But they say, you can't. No. As a contrast, Jesus Christ, the first words out of his mouth when he preached that great sermon on the mount is, bless you, poor in spirit. Because there's... The kingdom of God belongs to them. So all these broken, thrashed souls who are just like, I just, we just, we, we want to see God. He says, guess what, guys? I got good news. And that's the good news, which we call the gospel. The good news is, guess what, guys? We can see God now. The kingdom of heaven is ours. See the stark contrast already? And so again, go home, like I said, and, and, and compare the Beatitudes with these seven woes. It's quite scary, quite frightening. And so the next slide, we'll, we'll get into the second woe. And, and, and I title these ones kind of in a, in a, in a semi-pseudo-clever way uh, to, to keep some uniformity here. Um, 
the first one I, I title is, is woe to miserable discipleship making. And again, here's a contrast because Jesus was making disciples as well. And, and that's us. We're disciples of Christ. We're not disciples of the Pharisees. We're not disciples of, you know, a particular church denomination or person or personality. No, we are disciples of Christ. That's what Christ did. That's what he initiated. That's how he started. And that's what the, his disciples did. Disciples made more disciples, not for themselves, but for Christ. But these Pharisees make disciples upon themselves. These are my followers. These are my people. And so I call this miserable discipleship making. And the second woe is in Matthew 23, 15, and it says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. Okay, I'm sure Jesus could have wrote a book on how to, you know, make friends and influence people, but he decided to be honest instead. <laughs> and so he says, you teachers of law, you hypocrites, the Pharisees. You travel over land and sea to win a seal convert. They put so much effort and making disciples, so much effort to make these converts. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Again, they are of no benefit and no help. We've already seen it. All they do is they put all this burden on people and tell them that you can't get to the God's kingdom. You're just a miserable person. I don't want to be a disciple of, of, of any kind of theory or theology or philosophy like that. It's miserable. And of course, John 8, talks about the kind of father Look at the kind of children they are. And John 8, 44 says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. So what exactly is that mean? What is this desires of their father, the devil? Well, he's a murderer from the beginning. So, so is that the characteristic of, 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 of you know, no, it's, that's not the characteristic. He happens to be a murderer from the beginning, but the characteristic is the fact that they do not hold to the truth. Okay, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Those who murder, those who sin, are people who stray from the truth. Yeah, disobedience. God says such and such, and we say no. Therefore, we're not holding to the truth. So, murder is a consequence of not holding on to the truth. For there is no truth in him. In Satan, there is no truth. How scary is that? There's absolutely no reality in Satan. Satan's completely confusing, abstract, bizarre, weird lies. No truth whatsoever. And that is the path that the Pharisees have found themselves in. Now, bear in mind, I do hope and believe that there's a chance to, for them to be saved. But because of their stubborn pride, they won't be able to see it. We have this very similar connection with the Judaizers um, in the book of Galatians. The word Judaizers, we, we get that from Galatians 2.14 where it says, live according to Jewish customs. And so there was a group of people who were very fond of the old ways. And they were actually very intimidated by the likes of the religious leaders of the time, the, 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 you know, like the Pharisees and whatnot. And they were very intimidated by them. And what they would do is they would want to... Be a part of the Christian culture. Be a part of the Christian new exciting thing. But they wanted to remain the same as far as the heavy re religious burdens and regulations and ceremonies and whatnot. And here we, we, we get a peek into the heart of the Judaizers in Galatians 4.17 where it says, Those people, the Judaizers, are zealous to win you over, but for no good. Again, there's no good news, but for no good. What they want to do is actually alienate you. They want to separate you from God and from each other. So that you may have zeal for them. Again, they want people to follow them. Not followers of Christ, followers of the people, of themselves. 
And Galatians 6.12 says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh, again, legalism, which the Pharisees were notorious, and these Judaizers were notoriously known for, this legalism, working your way to heaven, yeah? They're trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ themselves. So basically, they're cowards. They're manipulated by others, and they're manipulating on behalf because they're afraid of giving in to the cross of Christ because of the persecution that may follow. They manipulate others just as they themselves have been manipulated. Next slide, please. And so the third woe, and I call this woe the woe to miserable oath-making. Miserable oath-making. And this is found in Matthew 23, 16, and 22, the third woe. And he says this, Woe to you blind guides. Again, we've already characterized, we've already compared them to their father, the devil, who's, who's full of lies. So, they, so there's a lot of lying, a lot of falseness being done here. So they're blind. They don't see the true path. They're blind. They're, mis, they're misguided. They're misled themselves. And they are going to mislead others. So they are truly blind guides. But regardless, you say, if anyone swears, now by the way, by swearing here, he's not talking about using four-letter words. Here he's talking about to affirm, promise, to threaten an oath. So this is like, this is attached, your word is something. Oh, I swear by this chair. So basically, you say you're going to do something or something, you know, whatever, you're, you're a witness testifying of a fact, but then you associate something great to it. And the greater the thing is you associate to it, the more sincere you are. But the reality is they're liars. They're big, fat, phony liars. So they think, well, if we lie to the, if we swear by the temple or we swear by the altar, that's a great thing, but it means nothing. So we can do it and we can lie. So they can, so basically they're looking for instruments to manipulate, to lie, to be dishonest. And they said, but if we lie about the, and we swear to the temple, that doesn't mean anything. So we're cool. We're not going to be in trouble by God. But, as we'll find out here in just a moment, that's not the case. So, you say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. So, you can swear by the temple, but you cannot swear by the gold of the temple. Weird. Yes, it is weird. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? So, again... In fact, that the temple is decorated by gold. You can't swear by that. But if you use that gold anywhere else, it's just common. But the fact that it's in the temple, what makes it special? The fact that it's being used, it's set apart. It's a sacred thing. So your, your understanding is just all twisted, guys. It's confusing. What's going on with this? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound to that oath. You blind men, which is greater? The gift or the altar which makes the gift sacred. Again, the same idea, same principle. So, bottom line is this. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar, swears by it, and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple, swears by it, and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven, swears by God's throne, and by the one who sits on it. So basically, they think they're getting away with something, and they're really not. Okay, they're making these false promises. They're lying. They're manipulating. It's so bad business we see here. Okay? And what's Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is saying this, in a sense. Next slide, please. Just stop it. 
Just be honest, yeah? That's the bottom line. Lying manipulation is, is, is no one any good. In fact, I hate to say it, liars get found out. I mean, it, it, it's just, it, it happens. It just, you can't cover a, a, you know, a track of lies. And that's what they're doing. They're, 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 they're known for who they are. That's why he says, you'll know these sheep, you'll know these wolves who pretend to be sheep because of their fruit. The fruit, eventually, a person bears fruit. And if they practice a life of dishonesty and lying, it's going to come out eventually. It does. You can't hide it forever. We have, my, our friends, we used to make fun of each other back in the days. And, and when somebody got caught a lie, we'd always tell them, Oh, you don't need to lie to make friends. We're your friends. You don't need to lie to us. But it's cheeky. We do it just to wind each other up. But the reality is, is that's the truth to it. Just be, and this is something that we've said from the very beginning, Danny and I, especially dealing with the youth, is listen, please don't lie. You can do anything, anything. Well, of course, we're saying this tongue-in-cheek, you know. But just be honest. If you're struggling with something, just be honest about it. If you're going to do that, then you know what? I, can't, I might not be able to stop you. Danny might not be able to stop you. But don't hide and cover it up. At least be honest so we can pray for you. <laughs> you can, if you're in the grossest of sin, the grossest, in my opinion, is lying. Because then it, it just, well, you're just as these Pharisees. Hypocrisy, you know. And, 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 and if you're struggling with a genuine sin, something is genuinely bringing you down. And, you, and I, know, I know the temptation is to cover it up and to hide it. We know that that's human nature. But if you could just please tell us and not hide, not pretend like it's not happening, then at least we could pray for you. And then God can hopefully intervene and, and you'll be delivered and rescued, yeah? Just be honest. And here, James 5, 7, 12, and he agrees with this. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth. Okay, this swearing is oath-making, yeah? I promise I'll do it, but then you don't show up or, you know, or, or just bull-faced lying, really, yeah? Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Matthew 5.37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Again, this, this whole like, oh, but, 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 but I promise, I, I swear to the Bible and I swear to this and I swear to that. I mean, I swear to the microphone, I'm, I'm not lying. That's, that's weird. It's weird. It's from the evil one. It's just like, just say the truth. If it's yes, say yes. If it's no, say no. If you're going to do it, then do it. If you're not, then not. If you saw it, you say you saw it. And if you did that, say you did it and whatever and just be honest. Next slide, please. Woe to miserable priority making. Matthew 23, 23, 24. Then this is the fourth woe. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of all your spices, the mint, the dill, anises in different translation, and the cumin. So, Imagine in your mind, okay, I actually went and did a Google search and saw how the images of these different things, especially like, like cumin, it's a, it's a seed. And when we usually get it, we have it crushed, yeah? But, but cumin, it's like a seed, basically, the part that you use as, as a spice. So it's quite small. Now imagine a person, okay, getting their, their spices, going to the grocery shop, yeah? And you buy your groceries and you come home and you're like, oh, a tenth to God. And you get out your cumin, and you start going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, oh, one to God. One, two. Imagine doing it with a bag of rice. So what we see here is just ridiculous. It's stupid. And the thing is, 
We can be like that. Oh, very strict about that, you know. But the reality is there's something more important. There's a heart to the matter. And the heart to the matter is this, and they just don't get it. They're, 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 they, they, they're focusing on things that are just time-consuming, weird, bizarre, and really don't ultimately matter. But they miss the big picture. Their priorities are all messed up. But you have neglected the more important matters. What is the important matters? The matters of the law, rather? Justice. Mercy. Faithfulness. They totally don't get these big picture truths. These big picture realities. These things that matter. Justice. Mercy. Which is kind of funny because it almost seemed like they sit on different spectrums. Justice and mercy. And faithfulness. While they're sitting there dividing up their spices and saying, there you go, God, there's yours. See, I'm not a good guy. I give God his tenth. Forget that. Just give it all to him. <laughs> Make it easy. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain at a gnat, but swallow the camel. And that's why I put that funny cartoon up. I just thought it was funny. It's good to have a wee bit of humor sometimes. Um, so what does God really want then? That's what, that, that's, that's the priorities. So your priorities are messed up, okay? Your priorities are messed up. What does God really want then? And, I, I, and so here I put a, a quick Old Testament survey to answer this question, hopefully. And I know there's a lot more that could be said about this. But, I, but, I, but here's at least five verses from the Old Testament alone. That ta- so, and the reason why I put the Old Testament, I think, is because this is information that the Pharisees had at hand. Right? So the Pharisees had no excuse. This is information they had at hand. Okay? They can look at their prophets, their history books, and they can see what God really wants. Just like we today can look at our history the Bible, and see what God really wants. So 1 Samuel 15, 22, I'm just going to read through it, okay? But Samuel replied, and this is, of course, when Samuel went to go uh, anoint a new king to replace Saul, and when he chose David, and he was looking at the, all the other brothers, okay, and before he saw David, because David was just a puny guy out in the fields. And this is what God says. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings? No, I'm sorry, um... That's oh, right. Okay. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Again, what is God looking for? Sacrifices, obedience. It's obedience. Proverbs twenty-one three. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Jeremiah twenty-two fifteen sixteen says, "Does it make you a king?" To have more and more cedar, you know, being successful, achieving things. Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just. So he went, so, so all went well with him. He defeated the cause, the poor and needy. And so all went well. So again, justice, righteousness, mercy. He defended the cause of the needy, the poor and the needy. And all went well with him. Is that not what it means to know me? He says, oh, is that really what it means to know me, he says? You know, mercy, justice, rightness, righteousness. Hosea 6.6, 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So again, in their mind, sacrifice. Here's your tenth, God. Here's what, I, here's what you deserve, or here's what you ha- I have to give you, basically. Here's my sacrifice. Oh, oh whoa, poor me. He, he, he can care less about that, according to these verses. What he really cares about is mercy, justice, Righteousness. 
For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And then lastly, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God.